After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and a couple pivots in the for-profit leadership later? We're on the search to get that question answered. If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you. We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. A year ago, Lisa and I attended a church conference, and we went to the leadership track to try to bring in some knowledge for you guys. Uh, listening here on the podcast. A lot of the stuff that they talked about translates across not just churches, but nonprofits all across the board. And one of the things that we learned that they said really stuck out to us. The pastor was talking about how to think about the people that you're reaching and think about it in terms of who are you graced to reach. And what he meant by that was, you know, just because you can send out a mailer and get lots of different types of people into your church or into your organization to start paying attention. Um, There are going to be some types of people that you are really like passionate about helping and they're going to resonate with who you are as well. And so you're actually going to be able to help them. But if you have this widespread approach, you're going to be attracting lots of different types of people, different life stories, different backgrounds, different cultural perspectives that might not resonate, but they just they they end up being a part of your organization and ends up causing lots of issues because you don't have the patience to work with them and they don't have uh, the connection with you enough to actually make progress in their lives, right? So he was talking about how nonprofits can get into this trap of trying to help people that they probably shouldn't be helping. Somebody else is graced to reach them, but you're not graced to reach them. Don't fall into that trap. Well, that got Lisa and I thinking about it from a lot of different perspectives, not just the people we're trying to help as nonprofits, but we also have in this uh, in this nonprofit world, the people that we are partnering with as well, because there are people that we are trying to help. There are people that we're partnering with. Sometimes they kind of uh, merge together as well. The people we're trying to help are also the people that we are partnering with to get the job done. And it just kind of gets a little messy, but we were thinking, especially in terms of donors, which donors are you graced to reach? Which donors are you graced to partner with? So let's talk about that. Yeah, I'm excited about this. The interesting thing about churches as nonprofits is the people that they are graced to reach are also the people who become volunteers and who also end up giving. It's all kind of one pool of people. Um, But depending on the nonprofit, a lot of nonprofits, the people that they are helping are not necessarily the people who are also supporting them. Um, And so it becomes two different groups of people. And a lot of times nonprofits focus on, like as a leader, your question is, who do I want to help? Who do I get excited about helping? Uh, What life change am I looking at that's going, yes, I, I can do this day in and day out and invest my time into it. But sometimes we forget to do that looking at the donors around us. And when we don't do this when looking at the right donors or the donors that we're graced to reach, we're trying to connect with people who don't necessarily get us. We don't necessarily get them. We don't necessarily have the patience with them. There might be something going on and you might have a donor right now who gives money or who gives consistently But maybe they're always like holding on a little bit too much to their money and they want to be able to direct it. Or there's some sort of way that you communicate with them where you just feel like it's not quite working or it's not quite off. 
doesn't make them a bad donor. But sometimes as nonprofit leaders, you look around and think, oh my gosh, I will take money from anybody, <laughs> which I understand. It's like the equivalent of a salesperson saying, I can help anyone with anything. It's like, uh, but that's not necessarily like the wise way to go versus if you know the people who you connect with really, really well, and it doesn't take the effort to have the conversations, those conversations are just going to go better because you understand who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. They inherently understand you. It's easier to build trust and you enjoy developing those relationships over time rather than thinking, oh, I should probably reach out to this person again. Um, But really, you know, just a more natural, fluid way of connecting with your donors by simply being okay, knowing who it is that you are specifically graced to be able to talk to and have those relationships with. Yeah, and one of the biggest um, and easiest ways to look at this is just the ticket price. <laughs> uh, let's think about it like, what kind of donations are you going for? Are you going for $5 a month kind of donations? Or are you looking for like $10,000 one-time gift type of donations? Maybe you're like, I'll take either one. But which one are you more graced to actually be able to reach? Because the $10,000 one-time donations is a very different person than the person who is like very willing to just do a $5 a month donation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes an easy way to start figuring this out is if you take a look at all of your most consistent donors and start, don't tell anyone, don't show the list, (laughs) but kind of go through and star the people that when they call you, when when you see their name, when they donate something, when they tell you that they're supporting you and the like those interactions that you have a positive feeling and you get really excited. You're like, that person makes me happy. And just kind of start looking across the board and seeing what commonalities are there. Maybe they're all um, just uh, entrepreneurs. Maybe all of them are people who work typical nine to five jobs, but they're all in the same sector. Um, Maybe they're all people who come from nonprofit backgrounds um, and they just happen to latch on to your mission. And even though they're not in nonprofit now, you're able to really speak the language because you understand how to communicate with them. Um, Maybe there are people who just really like to attend super big, fancy galas. Like, I don't know what it is, but look at the people who you're going to reach or maybe it's hobby based. Maybe they really like to play video games and you really like to play video games. And so maybe the donation amounts are all across the board. But when you meet with them, you know the conversation you're going to be having. So it's not necessarily, sometimes it is a dollar amount. Sometimes you'll see that they are people who give some, but they are just consistent all the time. Maybe the ones that you're most excited about are the ones who just drop a few thousand dollars here and there. And you're not excited because of the donation. You're excited because you actually get to talk with them and connect with them and hear from them and hear the ideas that they have for your organization. So start by looking at who you currently have giving and figure out who you're excited about, because that's likely an indicator, at least a way to start getting you figuring out who it is that you're really graced for. This has implications on a few different levels, but one is obviously the amount of money that you're able to raise. If you have a really good connection, you know who, when you just talk to them, you immediately get each other and they're immediately like, who do I write the check out to? Um, because they just understand you and you understand them. You you just, you, you resonate on the same level, right? 
but it also has huge implications for your longevity as a leader. Mm -hmm. I have made the mistake in the past. I know many leaders that have made this mistake in the past of uh, businesses and nonprofits that have built an organization that they now hate (laughs) because they uh, filled it with lots of people that people are valuable, but there are different types of people for different types of people. And they've filled their organizations with employees, volunteers, uh, donors, that they're just, they don't hate them, but they're like, I can't stand this anymore. Every time my phone rings, I, I'm ghosting people that mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be partnering with. I, I can't stand having coffee with these people because they they talk for hours. Or I, I can't stand coffee with these people because they don't want to talk. Like, yeah. it all comes down to how you work as a leader, but your longevity as a leader is at stake. Yeah. I um I know for myself, my main battery that I'm always being careful of is like my social battery. Um, and so when I was in nonprofit leadership, like at one specific nonprofit, right now we just consult for a lot of them. Um, but I had to be really careful when I was building out teams to not put someone in a key position who needed a ton of um like social capital or social interaction. I'm very just to the point, kind of keep my head down. When I plan out my week, I'm looking ahead at what we have going on with other people. Um, And I'm also intentionally planning out what days I'm staying at home and getting quiet time so I can recharge. And so I knew for myself, if I put someone in that wrong position, um, I would get super worn out and eventually not want to deal with the team at all or interact Mm -hmm. with the team or lead the team. And as nonprofit leaders, you want to be excited about what you're doing. The same thing is true for donors. Um, There have been times where nonprofit leaders, and I'm putting myself in a slightly different position here, who have come to me asking, you know, for like finances or some sort of other advice. And sometimes our personalities just don't quite click. Um, I can be very just blunt. If you ask me a question, I'm going to give you an answer. Um, As much as I think people want that, they don't always want that. Um, But in those moments, I know that they're not necessarily a great fit for me. But more importantly, I'm not necessarily a great fit for them. And so when nonprofit leaders get into the mindset of, I will take money from anybody and I desperately need it, um, you can find yourself making bad decisions about who you're allowing kind of to break that uh, boundary and then maybe having to maintain that relationship over time and putting yourself in a position where you feel like you don't have the choice but to maintain the relationship. And if you're not careful there, you could really end up unintentionally starting to hate your organization as a whole simply because you've broken down your own boundaries and you're starting to wear yourself out. And let's be honest, too, it can go the other way. Maybe the organization starts to hate you. As a leader, you've built up an organization that requires of you something that you just aren't graced to be able to give. And now they're requiring it of you. You can't follow through on that because it's not in your wheelhouse. And then pretty soon it's possible they completely oust you Mm -hmm. and get rid of you, which I mean, whatever it's your goal is for the organization to thrive. But sometimes the organization Uh, shouldn't get rid of you, (laughs) right? Like sometimes they should be uh, recognizing what you bring to the table um, and they're not actually doing that because they value things that aren't in line necessarily with how the organization is structured from the beginning, which is really your heart as the organizational leader. 
Yeah. And so this uh, this makes me think of just how often bad decisions are made out of desperation. <laughs> and nonprofit <All> work, <laughs> nonprofit work so often is just in a mode of desperation. Like you're not by definition, you're not supposed to have like a whole giant bank account that's full of extra resources, right? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to zero out at each uh, you know tax year. So you're kind of kept in this position of always just riding that line of okay, if we get too much, we have to figure out how to how to spend that and make it a good decision. Um, so you're always kept in that place of desperation. So how can you take a step back and say, all right, even though I feel like I need whatever I can get, volunteer time, you know, donations, whatever. How do you take a step back and actually make a good decision in that case? Um, I think personally, first you have to address the fact that you've agreed that you will always be living in a space of desperation. Mm. Um, Because a lot of times we've seen organizational leaders who aren't necessarily in a space of of desperation, but the leader has somehow decided that they will forever be living in desperation. And so no matter how much their team grows, no matter how much money they have coming in, no matter how successful the organization, um, they end up sabotaging themselves and end up looking at everything and going, nonprofit leaders aren't supposed to have resources. So since I have resources, something's wrong. So I'm going to start a new project. I'm going to blow up a team. I'm going to do this thing. And they just end up sabotaging what they have. And what happens is the leaders and the volunteers and the donors, after a while, start to think, desperation never goes away here. And it's really, really exhausting. Mm -hmm. So I think if you're in that spot where you're constantly seeing things through a lens of desperation, first, you need to realize that you are making the choice to stay there. Mm. If you simply, not simply, if you started to make the choice of saying, I am not going to go into a space of desperation. Instead, I'm going to look at all of this through the lens of I have the control, I have the power, I can bring people in, um, I can grow, I can learn. And just starting down that path, then you're going to be able to actually build out systems um, and implement the right things so that the right people are more naturally attracted to your organization. Desperation is often a sign that a leader is completely scattershot and is more concerned with remaining desperate than becoming healthy. Hmm. And so I that do That trickles think down too. It trickles down to everyone. If you have volunteers at the, I don't want to say the bottom of the hierarchy because that, like really volunteers <laughs> are at the top. As a leader, you are the servant. Yeah. Like, but if you have volunteers who are leading their teams or leading their areas or doing their work and they're constantly feeling desperate, there is no reason someone who is putting together a mailer and putting a piece of mail in an envelope should be doing that task with desperation. There is no (laughs) need for it. That is a huge red flag that something is going on it that you are teaching them. There is no reason that a donor should be apologizing to you while giving your money because they feel like your need is way too big for them to help. And so they feel guilty while they give to you. That is Mm -hmm. a sign that you are teaching the people around you that order um, and that sanity and that just a, a sense of calm or peace is not possible within your organization. And to be blunt... It's a choice that you are making 
probably or maybe because you want to feel important. Ooh. And so the first thing is to do a quick ego check, take a couple days away by yourself and start to look at things through the lens of there are healthy organizations. What am I choosing to do that is creating unhealth? Because if you can start to identify that, you can start to move forward. And I would say just the simple idea of just taking a step back and going on a vacation or taking a little bit of time away is in and of itself a great strategic move because it allows you to remember how unimportant you are. When you're gone from the organization, you'll probably see some things that you were handling that didn't don't get handled as well or whatever, but you'll also be reminded, hey, this thing worked when I wasn't there, mm-hmm. when I wasn't involved, you know, getting my fingers into every little piece of it. And that can be extremely helpful then for you to say, okay, who were the people that were doing a great job while I was gone? Remind yourself, I don't need to control every little tiny aspect of this. Really flip that hierarchy on its head and remember that as a leader, you you are a servant and you are empowering the people who are uh, actually doing the work and making the thing run. Your job is to empower them, not to control them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And as we're talking about donors, too, when you can move from a spot of desperation to a spot of um, we have things working and I'm calm. Um, there's one quote that I have no idea where it came from, but I think about it a lot. And it's if it costs you your peace, it's too expensive. And mm. I think about that a lot whenever um, I'm working with a client or if you're a nonprofit leader and you have a donor who starts to cause you stress. The minute that you start moving your life into an area where things start to just calm down a little bit, you'll start to realize the people in different areas who move you out of that calm. And when that starts to happen, you need to be in a situation where you're not feeling that desperation. Or if you are feeling it, it's lessened to a point where you can prioritize um, the sanity and the longevity of your organization versus making the short-term grab and saying, I'll, I'll do whatever I need to do for the extra $50. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's those short-term things that are going to determine whether or not long-term your organization is going to be around and thriving. It might be functioning, but will it be thriving? Mm-hmm. And we want healthy nonprofit organizations because they not only are able to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish, but they're teaching people how to do it in a healthy way. The last thing that we need more is leaders of nonprofits or even businesses who are teaching their people to lead unhealthy lives. And so you want to make sure that as you're starting to move into that spot, that there's almost like a little red flag that goes off in your brain when you're starting to feel that desperation coming back on and just taking a step back and saying, no, this is not how we operate. What is causing this feeling in me? And what under the surface do we need to address so that we can make wise decisions even as we're trying to move forward and grow. So let's just pretend for a second that I'm the leader of a nonprofit organization. I'm listening to this podcast and I'm saying, okay, uh, reach the donors that I'm graced to reach. I'm not a fundraiser. What do I do? We need funds. I'm the leader of the organization. How do I reach donors if I don't get along with any donors? (laughs) 
<laughs> because I think a lot of people feel that. Like Wait. they they hate the idea of fundraising and all that yep. stuff, right? So how do they address that? So is the question that you don't get along with any donors or that you don't want to ask the donors for money and so you keep distance from them? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I think that's a fair one to ask and to ask yourself if you're listening to this podcast and you're feeling like that because maybe you just aren't graced to reach the kind of donors that you have um, assumed everybody is, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you're just not grace to reach that kind of donor think about the kind of person you are and the kind of people that you get along with and you enjoy hanging out with and you enjoy spending time with you love it when they call you and you love to talk to them on the phone you get excited when they send you an email those are probably people that you would be great at talking about donations with just Mm -hmm. because you just get along and you understand each other on a base level yeah um but let's just go back to that. So that's one good question to ask yourself. Am I just avoiding it because I've sort of lumped all donors together into this category of people that I just don't want to talk to, either because I'm afraid to ask or because I assume that all donors are a certain way? But what's what's maybe another thing that uh, leaders can self-diagnose? Um, so no one wants to hear this. <laughs> but a lot of times, um, nonprofit leaders, if you're in a spot where you're like, I like the people, I know the people, I just don't like asking for the people. A lot of times it's because um, nonprofit leaders or the people doing the fundraising don't like feeling like they're in sales. Yep. Um, and so they think money is something to not talk about. It's somehow uh, unacceptable. And in the process of thinking the whole idea is garish or I don't know some fancy word um they decide (laughs) not to improve their ability to ask for money so I'm a little bit weird in this area I have no problem on behalf of a nonprofit asking for money from anyone um I can go up to if someone's there for anything I have no problem asking for pennies or dollars if someone's like I only have three dollars. I'd be like, great. I'm so excited about that. Thank you for like, I'm super difference. This will make a big difference. I'm super, super, super grateful for every single donation, whether it's a penny or a hundred thousand dollars. I also have no problem asking for money. Um, Ted and I have been a part of events where there's a fundraising goal and people are kind of talking about it, but not talking about it. And I have no problem grabbing the mic and being like, so here's what we're doing today. We are raising this amount of dollars, which means we need some people to give some money. Like, I have no problem being (laughs) extremely blunt. I could go, like, the idea, I haven't done this yet, I should try it, but the idea of going up to a business owner that I know and sitting down saying, hey, we need to raise some money, would you write a check for $50,000? That causes nothing in me. It doesn't make my heart start racing. It doesn't make me feel nervous. It's just a conversation about money because I just... I don't have a problem with it. Right. As a nonprofit leader, you need to get over it. Part of this is just acknowledging the fact that you know your organization runs on donations. They know your organization runs on donations. The reason that the conversation isn't happening is because when you feel awkward about asking, they feel awkward about giving. Right. And so it's just this weird thing. And part of this is just that you're not quite sure how to do it. And a recommendation... It may or may not be a good fit. Well, here, 
email us at office at legacybuildersintl.com if you need help with this and I can we can chat and help you figure this out. Um, but really it comes down to basic sales understanding, how to start a conversation, how to give a value proposition, how to explain the difference it's going to make, and then going for an ask that's it, that is in line with the person that you're talking to. Right. Um, it means knowing who the person is, that you're not asking for $50,000 if their budget's 100. Like it's, it's a certain amount of just kind of understanding. But a lot of times it is the nervousness about money. But the other part is just not knowing how to have a conversation. Um, so if I was going to sit down with someone, I would not sit down for 45 minutes, talk about life, see how it's going, and then casually mention that I have a need and hope that they're going to donate. Um, partly because the other person is going to feel like I don't care about them. Yeah. They're going to feel like I'm utilizing our relationship to get something out of them and just feels dirty. Yeah. Where a lot of times if I'm going to meet with someone and ask for money, the conversation is going to be ahead of time. Hey, I'm doing a fundraiser. I'd like to sit and talk to you about it. Already, they know what I'm asking. I have set right. up the conversation. At that point, if they say no, awesome. Not a problem. Right. It's an, it's an elephant. And I'm going to respect it. Yeah. It's an elephant in the room that if you just address it right away, I mean, they know, like that's why it's called an elephant in a room. You know it's there. They know yeah. it's there. If you try to pretend like it's not there, it's it's like you're literally lying. You're either stupid or you're lying to them. And mm -hmm. neither of those things result right. in a good conversation. So setting it up ahead of time and saying, hey, I'd like to meet with you. Also, I'm bringing an elephant. Like you're giving them a heads up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then when you sit down with them, it's an elephant. Let's address it right away. Thank you so much for meeting me. I just want to tell you a little about what, about what we're doing. And my hope and goal at the end of this is that you will choose to contribute. Yep. Say what you want right up front. Whenever I'm meeting with clients for um, other business stuff, I'll tell them right up front. So here's what we're doing. We're going to talk through this. And my goal is to get you to sign a contract to work with me. It's not a problem. No one is upset that I'm being straightforward. They're mm -hmm. not sitting there through the whole presentation, asking all the questions in their head. What is she trying to get to? What's right. going to happen? They're able to just fully ingest the information because they know exactly what is coming. Yep. And then... And, and they know that, you know, because you've been honest up front, you're also more likely to be honest on the back end when it comes time for them to sign a contract. They're going to know that, you know, I, I got all my questions answered mm -hmm. and this person is okay with me saying no. Otherwise... They would have used some weird tactic to trap me. Yeah. It goes to transparency, which goes to trust. And that right there is huge. And then just start the conversation. You can do a quick little, how's your day going? But just jump into it and be willing to say, all right, so here's what I want to share with you. Here's our vision statement. Here's our value proposition. Here's what you get from this. This is where your stories and your statistics come into play. Um, and you know, those other, the metrics are really important yeah, being here. Being prepared to answer their questions. Being prepared, keeping it short and con concise. No one needs an hour-long PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> um, but know the few key things that you're going to hit. And then at the end, go for a very clear ask. I'm asking you to donate X amount of dollars. Or I'm asking you to become a partner with us and donate whatever amount for 12 months or whatever you can give for 12 months. Or I'm asking you to... Um, attend this event, tickets are this amount of dollars, and I'd like you to bring a friend with you. Whatever it is, just go for a clear ask. Mm -hmm. Because if you just go for a clear ask, if the answer is no, they're not going to feel uncomfortable. It's not going to change the relationship dynamic because everything was just up front. 
Um, because right. you haven't brought in all the personal stuff and tried to like connect with them first, you're not basing their yes or no based on the relationship. It's very it brings it into a little bit more of a transaction. But because of that, you've built up trust. And because you know them, they're more likely to say yes because they feel comfortable with you. That's good. And then the big one, after all this is done, whether or not they say yes, even if they're like, no, I'm not going to support you. Say, thank you so much for your time. It was incredibly generous for you to take time out of your day to, to come talk with me. Mm-hmm. Always thank them for their generosity. Always thank them. Mm-hmm. If it's a yes, thank you so much. Your generosity is going to help this many people. Or thank you so much. You're going to help us with this project and it means the world to me. And then ask them, by the way, how are you? Right. And give time on the back end. Don't pack up your stuff and leave. Actually ask how they are because that's your chance to care about them. And as a leader of a nonprofit whose goal is to help people, you have a responsibility in that moment to let that person know that you care about them beyond their wallet. And that needs to be genuine because if you do not care about that person, they will know in a heartbeat and whether or not they said yes or no, you won't hear from them again. And that's why it's so important to know the donors that you're graced to reach because then that yeah. kind of stuff comes naturally mm-hmm. instead of it being forced instead of you like everything in your body screaming pack up and run yeah. to get away from this conversation because <laughs> if you're you just ask like, how they are you like, know oh, what's sweet. coming <laughs> let's let's just talk now like that's totally cool i'm just happy to be with you mm-hmm. as a person and so our challenge for you this week is to really think through who are the people that you're graced to reach that can connect you with donors or who are donors? Those are the people that you're going to want to be thinking about scheduling some meetings with, talking on the phone a little bit more, carving out time to connect with those people rather than the people who are just available. Oh, I thought of one other really good thing. Too. <laughs> yes, you and the front Lisa just raised her <laughs> hand. It was, it was really cute. <laughs> Um, If you are someone who has someone in your organization who loves talking to people about money um, or about donations or whatever that thing is, um, empower them to do it, but don't make them the only person doing it and Mm -hmm. make sure you know what they're saying and doing. So work with them to make sure that they're communicating, not just what your organization is doing, but the care with which you're doing it. Um, And sometimes people are like, I was actually... um, on a thing the other day and I was typing back and forth with a nonprofit leader and she was just like, I've raised like $5 million last year for our organization and my executive director takes all the credit and won't acknowledge me to the board. I think I'm going to quit. Whoa. The executive director, um, she's like, yeah, he hasn't raised any money. I'm the only person doing anything. Um, One, that could have been avoided. (laughs) Like if they would just been like, Check out this person who's doing all this stuff. But on the flip side, even if he was doing a good job of that, you don't want all of your eggs in one basket and you want donors to be connected to you in some capacity, not only this other person, because people are not obligated to you long term. Um, And so out of wisdom, you want to also be cultivating these relationships. At the same Mm. time, if you have someone who's naturally good at it or who enjoys it, um, it's not bad to let them be a part of it. Sometimes nonprofit leaders get a little bit like, it's my job, but I don't want to do it. You know, like, I don't Mm -hmm. want to give up the control, um, but I also 
kind of wish I could let it go. Like you're going to have to work through that process a little bit. But if you can bring people around you who are connected to people, that's huge. So if you've got questions about this, which I'm sure a lot of you still do, it's a big topic and it's kind of can be kind of hard to walk through it all by yourself. We are here to help. We would love to hear from you. Go ahead and send us an email to office at LegacyBuildersintl.com. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this podcast and find that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to LegacyBuildersInternational.com. That's LegacyBuildersIntl.com.